testing. You got your phone turned off, Mike Moore? I do. Oh, actually. You don't. I don't think I do. I do now. I'm normally the guy who doesn't turn his phone off. It's extremely aggravating to people. Have you ever had your phone go off while you've been preaching? Not while I've been preaching. No, have you? Yeah, my ordination service. Oh, wow. I was up front preaching and my phone went off in my pocket. That's a sad, sad story. (laughs) Just let me ask you, did your phone go off during the wedding ceremony? No, it did not go off during the wedding. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Silent mode, everybody. Put it in silent mode. Let's let the music breathe just a little bit more, because I've got to get in this mood here. It's hard to get in the mood when you've been so busy lately. Yes. All right, I'm in the mood. Everybody, it's another (laughs) Theology on Mission podcast, live from the Northern Seminary Griffith Recording Studio. I always have to... Sound studio. Sound studio. I always have to remember the name of the place where we're at, but we're in the bowels, as we like to say, Mm -hmm. of the Northern Seminary campus. And we're doing Theology on Mission podcast where theology meets mission, all the questions of engaging culture for Christ and his kingdom. Nailed it. Nailed it. So today, um, I thought we'd take a stab at evangelism. I have just been noticing... Uh, you know, I've been visiting a few other church. Now, I haven't been leaving my own church to visit other churches, but I've been out on the road in the midst of other churches. And uh, it's been interesting to me to hear how other people talk about evangelism, um, maybe hesitate at evangelism, don't feel confident in their evangelism, or maybe just fake evan- faux, faux evangelism. evangelism. And wh- where were these churches at? No, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not gonna like. Well, I think what's what's important is that you were visiting churches in Canada, Canada, but also uh, in the northern climes of the United States. Okay, and uh, you know there really are some, I don't know, conflictual attitudes towards evangelism. What do you think the biggest problems of evangelism today that people face? I think most people are allergic to it because it strikes them as being coercive. You know, I put that down on my notes, too. People are scared of being coercive. Yeah. Or they're uh, scared of oversimplifying it. You know, here are the four steps. Follow these four steps. Or even worse, now that they don't have the four steps or the four... You right. Know, you know what we're Spiritual. talking about. Romans Road. Laws. Rome. Now that they don't have that, they're, they're actually... Um, Hesitant because they don't think they they know what to say when the moment arrives. Yeah, how do you actually lead somebody into life with Jesus? And yet I contend that our culture is, I mean, I got to tell you, uh, let's take, if I can just deviate into a tangent, you Mm -hmm. know, I never do that. I never go off on tangents. I'm always straight. I'm always just always on task but um we were in quebec uh, last week and uh so interesting to me in hearing various salvation stories about how secularism was the bridge 
that got them out of a, either a narrow Islamic faith, mm-hmm. where, as was told to me, they have to just wear masks and toe the line, and it becomes an enculturated way of, of thinking, mm-hmm. or uh, entrenched or cultural Roman Catholicism, where, mm-hmm. again... Uh, the faith isn't vibrant. It's it's a it's kind of a thing that you live, a bunch, bunch of rules you keep in place, things you're not allowed to talk about or do, and it's a very dead kind of cultural system as opposed to a vibrant faith with a living God. And to be able to question that, secularism provided a bridge. And all that to say, we might very well be in a time in our culture, a lot of people call it post-Christendom, mm-hmm. I've heard that phrase before, a lot of people call it secularism, but we might be in a time where actually some new openings for the gospel, some new ways might be opening for the church to actually be present in what God's doing yeah. in the world and and uh, proclaim the good news that Jesus is Lord, he's healing the world, and you too can enter in. Hmm. Can, can I ask you a question about the, the Quebec? Yeah. So you're saying that secularism provided a bridge for people out of a confined religion. Yes. Into Christianity. Um, Right. I mean, it didn't go, it it wasn't, like there's a lot about secularism that, of course, questions the validity of a Christian faith. Right, yeah. I I think most people would be like, wait, what are you talking about? Right. How's that possible? But it also is... uh, uh, secularism is this thing that questions inherited ways of living that don't have authenticity, gotcha. uh, that don't that aren't self-expressive, that aren't uh, inherently have integrity to themselves. So, as people come from, say, Arabia, Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. as devout, uh, trained, and enculturated Muslims, mm-hmm. and they come into Quebec, let's say, yeah. Um, they're now living in a different culture where a lot of the ways they have lived are being questioned. So at first you insulate yourself, right. but then sooner or later you're, you have to start asking yourself some questions. I suggest, I mean, this isn't what the few people, you know, I was talking to two or three people about this dynamic. This isn't what they suggested, but it sure seemed this could be a possibility as I was listening. Right, right. I, yeah, I don't think many churches are going to say, hey, here's a way to do evangelism. Expose people to secular society and then, then yeah. you know, bring them into the faith. But, but, I contend, but what you're saying is it can be, that can be a mode or that can be used. I contend in a place where there's a lot of cultural religion, either mm-hmm. Islam or Roman Catholicism, it could be um, a, a place where other entrenched cultural faiths get questioned sufficient to open up space for the gospel. Okay. Well, let's go back here to, to good old America. Yeah. So here we, we just finished talking about the biggest problems today uh, for people, I think, is the fear of being coercive, a fear of not knowing what to say, um, a fear of just, um, um, yeah, uh, I had one more and I can't, just being scared. Yeah. Not, not knowing how to do it. Not having the right. Yeah, so I, and I have been talking a lot about this lately. I've been talking about it for the last three or four years. But um, I just want to talk about the way uh, Luke chapter 10 and the way evangelism is presented by Jesus um, as totally overthrowing our previous paradigms about evangelism. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take, you know, Luke chapter 10. Okay. And, and I'll just say, uh, look at the way he sends the 70 out. 
And he says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. In other words, the harvest is there. The work is already done. It's already been cultivated. All we need is people to be present to it. And Hmm. so um, the idea is this isn't really anything on us. We have to just go be present, favorite word of mine, to what God is already doing. And so instead of like worrying about an agenda, Instead, you know, typically evangelism was, I've got to accomplish this. I've got to explain this. I've got to convince or persuade this person of this. Get rid of it all. Dump it out. Boom. Get rid of all agendas. And now if we can just teach people to go and be present in places where the hurting and lost people are and uh, be attentive, listen for the evidences of what the Holiness Movement Wesley called provenient grace, that God is already working in people's lives. If we can just teach them that, that just, that in my opinion, just uh, overcomes this one of these major barriers mm-hmm. towards evangelism. And G- Jesus sends the disciples out agendaless, or he sends them out without a purse, without a bag. Don't take with you. Go be vulnerable, sheep among wolves. Yep. Go sit at a table, remain there, eat what's set before you. You're not in control. The only thing that they're carrying is the peace of Christ with them. They're just carrying Christ into the world. They're going to be present. Um, think about what a reverse in posture that is towards the posture that I think the church has been too often guilty of teaching people in evangelism. Mm-hmm. You got any examples? of either the previous posture that the church has taught its people on how to do evangelism, or maybe this alternative posture of listening yeah. and presence. Yeah. Well, the, the negative posture is, it's pretty easy to find examples of that, of imperial Christianity, you know, going into cultures and... Colonialism. Yeah, colonialism. But but even at beyond, its you know, uh, without, you know, having, without going to... Um, the global south or any other right. country outside of the United States, I can think of a time when I was sitting in a park, I think I told this story in Prodigal Christianity, where a couple of people from the local Bible church, which I won't mention the name of the church, but it was a large church in the northwest suburbs where, uh, never mind, I won't go into any more detail yeah, yeah. than that, but you know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And folks, if you don't know who we're talking about, that's okay, but it's important that Mike Moore and I know who we're talking <laughs> yes. about. And anyways, they would come in, and they would come in there with a predisposed script. Do you know where you're going when you die? Yes. I'm sure it's, I'm sure you would agree. That's an important question. That's the way they would say right, it. Right. And they would intrude. And I was with my Islamic friend on this particular afternoon, mm-hmm. a beautiful summer afternoon in Harmony Park, Arlington Heights, and he comes up to me and he says, hey, Dave, we got to get out of here. Or these people are going to ruin our whole oh, evening. No. <laughs> <laughs> and you agreed with them and you took off. <laughs> I said, come on, let's give them a chance. But uh, in, in reality, though, this is the kind of posture I think that Christians have entered into our culture with, with the gospel. And it's not at all what Jesus tells us to do. He tells us to go and reverse that posture. And mm-hmm. instead of entering in with an agenda... Go listen to what I am doing and just be present. Go vulnerable. Go as a guest yeah. and just listen and tend to uh, what I'm doing. In other words, look for evidence of provenient grace. Hmm. Can, can I give you an example of, uh, of a, 
maybe a positive example. Um, I'm dying for it. Okay. Uh, and I'm just going to use an example from my own life as of last week. Uh, my wife and I are living on a new block on the west side of Chicago. And on our block is a nursing home that kind of serves as a nursing home slash homeless shelter um, for for people that need stable housing. And we went there about a month ago and asked them what it is that we could do for them. You know, what do you guys need? Do you need bingo? Do you want like a Bible study? Do you want a worship service? And I love the answer from the, um, the coordinator. She said, you can do those things, but really what they want is they just want somebody to talk to. (laughs) (laughs) Good for her or him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for her. I'm Uh, telling you. So so I went last week. Um, First of all, can we just stop here? So you go into this uh, homeless shelter and say, hey, is there anything I, the, the great white hope of no, America? No, I did not do that. I did and, not do that. And, I have learned. What I have can learned. I do for you? Okay, I, how can I, I, I solve learned. your problems? No, no, yeah. We, 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 we definitely went under. But I, but we, Grace, I know this would not come from you. It had to come from him. We, we did want to offer something, um, but we did not want to be presumptive that we had to give them something. So we were just trying to bat, out, bat, bat around ideas. Eventually, they, they did say they would like bingo. So I went last week with with this microphone, actually, uh, in my bingo cage. Um, and, and we played bingo for about, you know, 15, 20 minutes, and it was done. And then, and then, I, and then I, just, I just sat there, and I'm going to be honest with you. It required um, some patience that I'm not used to cultivating in my life and some vulnerability because I'm literally just sitting there. Uh, with 20 other people. I'm kind of going around from person to person trying to engage with them. And it was highly uncomfortable. Um, but I went to be among those people I think Jesus would be with. But also I, I went um, not really having much to offer other than just being present with them and trusting that, that God was going to show up. And some great conversations did happen. I'll just leave it at that. All right. You know, um, that's an example of of what I think we need to do when it comes to evangelism. Teach people how to go be in places and not be obnoxious. Just be present, listen, tend to what God is doing. I contend, uh, and, and I've experienced it so many times, I just sit and listen and eventually, maybe not first time I have a conversation, maybe not even the first 10 times I have a conversation, but Somewhere around the 21st time of having a conversation yeah. with someone, someone's guts start pouring out. Mm-hmm. Once they sense the presence of God yep. among us, they can share their lives and what's going on. And, and this is when we can announce that Jesus is Lord. He's at work in your life. Will you let him work? Will you mm-hmm. cooperate? Yeah. All right, so this gets to the second part. Um, so often we are like, so if the first one is instead of entering with an agenda, let's listen and be present. The second mm-hmm. one is instead of explaining the gospel, um, I want to uh, propose we describe the world as it is under Jesus is Lord and help people see the gospel. We're just there to help people see. We're not there to convince. We're not there to argue. We're not there to explain. We're not there to give uh, the tulip explanation of the Calvinist structure of the world. We're there to help people see something they couldn't see 
before. And it's through the illumination of the Holy Spirit and a word of truth spoken sincerely and out of love when, when an opening is made. Um, I, uh, this, this, of course, demands that we you know, have a gospel to share or mm-hmm. describe. And it just so happens I have a copy of my book, The Church of That's Us convenient. Versus Them. It just so happened it was sitting right at my side here. And I, okay. And, and so uh, I say the Apostle Paul gives an outline of the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15. He starts by saying, in essence, I'm going to remind you what the gospel is. That's the first verse of, of chapter 15. And then he proceeds to give the clearest definition of the gospel, perhaps in the entire Bible. Christ has died, Christ was buried, Christ was raised, Christ appeared uh, uh, after, his re- after his resurrection, verses 3 through 5. He, he just narrates all the ways Christ has, God has fulfilled the promises of God to Israel. And, and then after a little interlude, it, it kind of like reaches a crescendo in verse 15. And it says, and he shall, verse 25, sorry, and he shall reign until all things have been made subject. Uh, all, all evil has been put beneath his feet. And so, okay, here's, here's my main point. The gospel is the, you know, the complete story of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension as the fulfillment of God's promises. But his reign has begun and is now on its way to completion. And if I could even put it, in a shorter sentence, the gospel is Jesus is Lord, and he's making all things right. Will you participate? Will you make him Lord of your life? Yeah. So, um, okay, so that was a lot of verbiage. So let's just rehearse. The second part here is don't explain the gospel. Describe the gospel and invite people in. Describe, help people see the gospel. Uh, and and to to do that, you got to understand what the gospel is. It is mm-hmm. not just your sins have been forgiven, although that's an important element of the gospel. Your sins have been forgiven so that you now can enter into the very presence of God and allow Jesus to be Lord of your life. And uh, I think we have to start wherever somebody is at in their lives. Once um, uh, the the full uh, I don't know whatever it is that's that they're struggling with that they're experiencing that they're longing for it becomes apparent and starts coming out we have the opportunity to say hmm I th- I see I believe Jesus is at work in your life well yeah. when you said that I believe that's Jesus moving you towards forgiveness towards reconciliation, towards healing, towards him working towards resolving and making this part of your life right. Are you interested? Can you see it too? You got to describe it and then invite people in. Yeah. How do you feel about, I mean, that's a complete reversal of this need to explain, argue, yes, or can yes. I even say coerce? Yeah, it is a complete reversal. It also seems to be the way that Jesus described life in the kingdom yes. with parables. You know, the kingdom of God is, you know, like somebody that goes on so so seeds or workers in the vineyard or treasure in a field. Jesus described it. He gave images and stories. He captured people's imaginations. He didn't try to um, explain it away uh, and try to convince or coerce them. He just said, hey, th- this is what life is like in my kingdom. 
I don't remember Jesus ever trying to coerce anybody into no. anything. Um, you know, in Luke chapter 10, he says, you know, after you go, be present. Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. All these things. Sheep as wolves. Take no purse. Um, he, then he says, heal those who are sick. Yep. Can say demons. to them, the kingdom of God is coming near. It's almost like he's saying, okay, go pray with people. Go go uh, make space for me to work with people. Go tell them their sins are forgiven in Jesus Christ, those who are feeling guilt. And then once the mag- once the, the, the um, gospel, the kingdom is being revealed, oh my goodness, you just got healed. Then say, ah, that's the kingdom of God breaking into your mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Can you see it? Will you make Jesus Lord of your life? Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, it's it's helping people see Jesus is Lord and he's working in your life. Will you make him Lord of your life? Doesn't that just change? Mike Moore, doesn't that flip, reverse the problem of I'm a, I've got to explain or I've got to have something to say? Yeah, yeah. And I think it also changes your posture for when you're going into the conversation or building a relationship you're not you're not building a relationship with somebody in order to uh, defeat them or to be smarter than them or to you know do a mic drop and uh, you know throw down with them and show them how uh how much better your theology or your understanding of the world is yeah i don't i don't i think somewhere along the line in in christendom the church got infatuated uh, Christians got infatuated with just helping people understand the right thing to believe instead of opening space for God to work in their lives and calling them into a deeper, fuller relationship with the God of the universe yeah. who is Lord over the world and he's making all things right. Yeah. All right, so there's one more thing. You got number anything three. else to say on number two? I'm good for I'm good with one and two. Number, number one is uh, not an agenda. Just go be present. Number two is not explaining or coercing. Um, just describe the gospel, mm-hmm. help people see it, and invite them into it. And the last thing I just want to say is really this this is all about opening space for the power of Jesus Christ to work in people's lives. That's what you're there for. You're not there to convince them into something they're not convinced. You're not there to persuade. I mean, Jesus the Holy and the Holy God, the Holy Spirit through Jesus will. Uh, persuade that's not your job Mm -hmm. but your job is to open space for god to work and for his power his healing reconciling transforming power to work in people's lives this is evangelism this is what we need to be doing out in the world we don't and, and when i say this is what we need to be doing. No, this is what God wants to do. He just needs a little help. Or he chooses to use us to make space for his presence and witness. Yeah. And we want to move people past just making some kind of cognitive decision. We want to move them into a full way of life, an embodied way of uh, living in this world with Jesus. Yeah. And so here, again, we're reversing things. This is nothing you have to do. You just your job is just to clear some space. Prepare ye the way for the coming of the Lord. Isaiah, whatever chapter that is, or Saint or John the Baptist. <laughs> prepare the way for the Lord. Because this is the way God has chosen to 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 enter the world, not through coercion, 
but through the revealing of his presence to people in their lives. And this takes people to make it possible. When when the disciples come back, they say something like, oh, Jesus, you cannot believe what happened. Even the yeah. demons submit to us yeah. in your name. And and Jesus says, I gave you authority to stomp on yeah. snakes. I saw Nothing Satan fall like you. lightning. I saw Satan fall like lightning. This, if we want to see the power and the presence of God again at work in our church's lives, we maybe need to get out of the four walls of the church and just be present to what he's doing in other people's lives and see people fan, fantastically saved and transformed by his power. Good. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing like it. But, I f- well, you know, what are the big hurdles, um, um, Mike Moore, to seeing uh, an outbreak of evangelism in, in our churches in, in post-Christendom United States of America or Canada? I think for a, a lot of people, and even for myself, um, but people in the churches I've pastored, it is being in places where you can develop relationships with people long-term, consistently. Be, being in those, what we would say, third spaces, or kind of for you, what is your uptown bar? Being in these places where you can actually consistent, consistently be meeting with people and where you are patient and present enough to build relationships where it might take 20, 21 conversations as opposed to just wham, bam, in and out, you've convinced somebody and you've evangelized yeah, them. Yeah, in other words, I mean, I can remember my old McDonald's days. It wasn't until my second year of being there. It wasn't until my 20th or 30th interaction. Mm-hmm. where s- stunning things started to happen. Yeah. Where um people would start revealing their lives to me. Some of the some of the most amazing like I Ward if you're out there Ward used to come and try to convince me <laughs> that he was an atheist. Like every uh I don't know once a week at least and I go Ward you're not an atheist dude. Why are you going over to the church of incarcer in incarnation, I almost said incarceration. Incarnation, uh-huh. uh, being with those without homes, helping them so much. Well, because I just want to do good for humanity. I see that's got to work in you, man. Mm-hmm. You're a believer. It, you know, and, and Ward and I were able to talk about what God he didn't believe in, what God he did, and what yeah, what was yeah. the God we saw him at work. But but numerous conversations like that. Uh, but it didn't happen until year two. Right. Yeah, I I think when Jesus tells the disciples to go into the harvest field, I think he's actually referring to a physical harvest field, which is why later he says workers deserve their wage, eat whatever is put before you. Really? I think he's sending them out to actually work in the fields. The reason they deserve to get paid is because they're going to be working in the field. They're going to be staying in people's homes with them, oh. actually harvesting alongside them, doing what we would say is menial blue-collar labor. So Jesus sends the disciples not into the temple or the synagogues, sends them out into the fields where the people are actually working so they can work alongside of them. Yeah. To do the work so of evangelism. Where did you get that idea, that, that first one? I actually um, learned that in my doctorate work in contextual theology at Northern Baptist Theological Seminary. We just call it, we just call it Northern Baptist. It used Seminary to be Northern right Baptist, yeah. Yes. But, yeah. Yeah, we do a lot of this talk in the contextual theology program. We've had a lot of uh, of dissertations on gospel and mm-hmm. the contextualization of the gospel. Gospel? Did I say gossip? Gossip, gospel. <laughs> hey, contextualization I, I, of the gossip. <laughs> as we're um as we're wrapping up, do you want to maybe give a 
one book recommendation on this topic? You'd say, hey, this is a great book to read about evangelism. Well, um, our good friend Brian Stone has a new book out on evangelism mm-hmm. with some many of these principles in it. I wish I could remember the name of it. Is that evangelism in a post-Christian No, it's his second book, but that's also a good book. Okay. Um, Brian I, Stone, ladies and gentlemen, just look him up. I'm thinking of Brad Kallenberg, uh-huh. Live to Tell. He's a professor. That's an oldie but a goodie. Oldie but a goodie. What about our friend Coleman? Yes, but uh, but neither of us can, are going to know the name of the book. <laughs> uh, it's so famous, though, and and I just heard some great stories about Coleman's book. And Well, I'll, I'll look it up, and I can add them into the notes. Regardless. All right, folks, we're sorry that we're getting so old. I, I do say we. <laughs> Thank you. We're getting so old, we can't remember the titles of the books that we recommend. <laughs> oh, that's good. But anyways, I hope this has been helpful. If you find this helpful, will you put a little uh, notation on the uh, Apple's iTunes uh, website or any of the other mm-hmm. websites. Give us a rec- What do you call it? A uh, review. A review. Uh, give us a five-star review if you <laughs> if you like me. Give us a three-star <laughs> review or a two I'll take if, it. You're, if you're grading Mike Moore. I'll take that. But it's Theology on Mission Podcast. Where theology meets mission, the questions of engaging our culture for Christ and His kingdom, um, and we'll we'll look forward to seeing you the next time. Anything coming up on the northern uh, schedule? Uh, no, we're not going to announce the Brady lectures quite yet. The Brady lectures in June with yeah, go ahead. And Do you want okay? Um, the Reverend Fleming Rutledge. I think she's a doctor. I know, but 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 she prefers to be called Reverend okay, Fleming sorry, Rutledge. Sorry, Fleming. Reverend Fleming Rutledge. And, and we have asked her permission, and we're still got this in the works, but but they're going to be talking about the, what's the subject, the gospel mm-hmm. and mission, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, of course, she's known for being a rather uh, on the Reformed side yep. of, the, uh, of the atonement gospel questions. Yeah. And we're going to have Bing Knight around. To engage, and he's known for being on the other side of those questions. We look forward to a great time. Keep that yeah. in your calendar. The first fr- uh, Thursday, Friday in June. Mm-hmm. Uh, we look forward to seeing you. Until then, folks, it's Theology on Mission podcast. We'll see you next time. Dave Fitch, Mike Moore, over and out.